The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Stavi out of the shotgun with White on his left hip. Iowa blitzes. Stavi got belted as he throws one up for grabs. And it's intercepted. Fluttering into that breeze and picked off by Tanner Miller. Third interception of the season for the senior from Kelowna, Iowa, in the 10th of the season for the Hawkeyes. Going to have Kirksey, number 20, come through on touch to the quarterback, forcing the bad throw. Tanner Miller, a smart player in good position, finds the ball and is able to seal the deal for the Hawkeye D. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. This podcast features former NFL and Iowa Hawkeyes star Marv Cook. Marv breaks down Iowa's home loss to the Wisconsin Badgers, and he previews the upcoming road game against Purdue. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include Brent Valbonat and Marv Cook, as well as sports reporters Scott Docterman of the Gazette, the Hawkeye Susan Dank, and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Be sure to check out Brent Valbonat's press box report and both of the reporters notebook shows this week with scott doctorman and susan dank the iowa wisconsin game highlights are courtesy of abc with announcers sean mcdonough and chris spielman a very good job in play-by-play and analysis we do appreciate it and thank them Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. We welcome back Marv Cook for his weekly X's and O's stint on Hawkeyes Mike. Marv breaks down Iowa's Kinnick Stadium loss to the Wisconsin Badgers, and he previews Purdue. Marv, your overall thoughts from last Saturday's loss to Wisconsin? Certainly a game of blown opportunities, and it leaves the Hawks still one game short of bowl eligibility, and the Heartland Trophy remains in Madison. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously you kind of know it's going to be a tough game. You play a Wisconsin team that's got a lot of talent, big physical, good running game, very, very similar to what we tried to do and got off to a good start. I thought we really did a good job early, controlled the line of scrimmage and, and had some good series and good drives and, and really controlled the field position uh, for the first basically first quarter and a half and just unfortunately was only come out, you know, able to come out with a couple field goals and, and that kind of kind of the difference in the game late. You know, I mean Wisconsin was able to finally make some plays late and, and ultimately that was the difference. But uh, I thought offensively we did a g- good job early. I thought defensively we were outstanding for the most part. You give a good offense multiple shots at your defense, multiple possessions, you know, more than seven, eight, nine possessions in the course of a game, they're going to figure out what they're doing and they're going to, you know, find ways to attack you. So, you know, I think ultimately a, a tough loss, but a respectable showing for the most part. The offensive struggles for this Iowa team now have gone beyond the second half. Their Saturday, it was all four quarters, at least with respect to getting touchdowns as opposed to just field goals. And, and you know, 10 of Iowa's 14 drives Saturday only lasted less than two minutes and 12 of the 14 failed to reach the three minutes. Mark. I mean, ultimately,
ultimately, that really, not only are you not scoring, and it's not just in the red zone anymore, it's maintaining some offensive consistency almost up and down the entire field, but then you're sticking your defense back out there on the field forever, and by the time the fourth quarter rolled around, you saw what that meant. Yeah, and, and that's that's the biggest downside of, you know, going three and out or four and out and, you know, and really not taking time off the clock is just you are letting an offense continue to pound on your defense, continue to take looks at them and, and, and find those areas that they want to attack. And then ultimately kind of just, you know, I'm not saying that anybody wears out, but, but you know, it, it does take a toll over the course of 50, 60 snaps uh, when you have a big physical team running it at you all the time and, and trying to make plays down the field. And that's, that's ultimately what happens is they pound on you, pound on you. Then you get a little bit, you know, run oriented. And the next thing you know, they're sliding, you know, tight end down the middle or they're sliding, you know, Amadaris behind the linebackers and, and making plays in front of the safeties. We've talked all season about Jake Rudock's poise and he doesn't really look like a first-year starter. I thought this game was the first time all year he looked, I don't know if rattled is the right word, but he, he wasn't showing that same in-game composure at the line of scrimmage and poise that he's shown all year. Yeah, I think they just never got into a rhythm. You know, he never felt comfortable with a sequence of plays and, you know, and I think a lot of it is because when they were having success on the runs and kind of hitting the, hitting the runs in the mouth a little bit, now your play actions aren't working as effectively. Uh, it just seemed like he just was never able to get into a comfort zone. And I'm not saying he was rattled, but I mean, it just, you know, he just never was kind of just visually in the flow of the game and for the most part. And, and, and it was breezy. I mean, it was, you know, another breezy day at Kinnick Stadium. And, and, and that's, you know, that's uh, difficult, you know, trying to throw the ball in there and, and you got to, you know, really keep the spirals tight and, and uh, make sure you're, if you're throwing with the wind, you got to, you know, it's, it's tough. I mean, there's a lot of things that factor into the equation. So obviously it wasn't his best performance. You know, part of that's driven by more pressure and more guys in his face. One of the interceptions, you know, basically just because he didn't have room to step into it and drive the ball out there. So, but that's, you know, that's all part of the learning process. When they were moving the ball, there were too many drops last Saturday. Drops really haven't been a problem for a few games, but they came back last Saturday, and then they had a couple of crucial penalties that killed drives off, too. Yeah, and it's just, I've always told our kids this, and, and I think any coach will agree, is you always look back the day after, and one team's going to look and say, well, thank goodness we made those two or three or four plays, and if we only had those three or four plays back, we'd have won the game. I mean, that's just the nature of kind of the deal, and, and you never know which of the 120 snaps during the course of the game, which one's going to be the one. And so, unfortunately, Wisconsin made more of those plays than we did. And, and, and you can look back and say a penalty here, or a drop ball there. Critical time was the difference. But ultimately, there's a lot of snaps in there that if we'd have taken care of business at different times, you know, converted on, you know, third and four in the first three possessions when we're down on the 20, 30-yard line of Wisconsin and, and get touchdowns, I mean, that, that changes the whole complexion of the game. Imagine if we're up 14 nothing or 17 nothing early second quarter and forcing Wisconsin to try to play hurry up a little bit and get back in the game, it would have been a whole different outcome. What happened to the tight end Saturday? That looked like last week we talked about thinking the tight ends would be an effective weapon against Wisconsin's defense, and yet they were pretty much uh, pretty much disappeared in the game. Was that play calling or something Wisconsin? Well, I mean, obviously, I think they, they're very, very familiar with our offense because it's a lot of what they do is to some extent. And so, you know, good teams are going to take away what is effective for you. You know, they're going to take away uh, what Iowa wanted to do, and, and that's forced us to make plays out on the outside with our receivers. What I think they did a great job of taking away our tight ends and, and really playing them, uh, taking you know some of that easy stuff away, trying to force you know Jake to throw the ball down the field, uh, and then matching up their athletes on the outside with our receivers on the outside. The lowest passing completion percentage, only 40% since 2005. The play call that you just referenced where the, the pick that Jake threw down there from the one-yard line, I kind of liked the idea of a pass play to take uh, Wisconsin, you know, catch Wisconsin off guard, but you've talked in the past about how the play action pass play takes longer 
harder to develop than most other pass plays. Why run the play action down there as opposed to maybe some quick drop pass? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a catch. I mean, the play action is. I mean, it, it's it can be set up if you're max protecting with two back. It's can be set up to try to take a shot down the field. I mean, we're trying to for a 99 yard touchdown or some extent. If they're playing the run, if they're playing aggressive to try to keep you pinned down. But ultimately, if you're going to do that, then you got to make sure you really keep a clean pocket. And perfect example. I mean, the, it's real breezy, and we're trying to throw it. He can't step into the throw. I think he actually might have got hit. That might have been the play he got hurt on. You know, and just the ball came out short and and and, and soft. And Wisconsin guy made a great play on it, makes the pick. And I kind of like the play call. I mean, I kind of thought it was a great chance to take a shot. If you're going to do that, you really got to keep a clean pocket. You can't hold. You know, if you get a holding call in the end zone, you got to do all that stuff. You got to take all that into consideration. But the one thing you can't do is turn it back over in the red zone. You did see C.J. Beathard come in after that injury midway through the third quarter. He demonstrated again he does have a cannon for an yeah. arm, but I think he also showed why he's not the starting quarterback yet, at least. Yeah, I mean, what you talk about a difficult, I mean, my goodness. I mean, you step in against Wisconsin, a top tier, you know, top 10 or 15 defense, and you get those conditions and, and your your team's brutal, brutal environment to come in there and try to, to get going. And uh, he did have flashes of, uh, you know, he threw a great slant, stuck it in there between the safety and the corner, and, you know, he had flashes of it, but, um, you know, it looks like Jake's going to be back and ready this weekend, and, and he'll be back in a starting deal. But but C.J. Beathard will be better because of that experience. I mean, it was obviously a rough outing, but, you know, he's going to be a much better quarterback because of that experience, getting those snaps. Iowa's rushing game really was pretty much non-existent through the whole contest, and in fact has struggled quite a bit over the last four games after starting the season pretty strong. Kirk Ferentz took some exception to that at his press conference on Tuesday, who pointed out that they had a pretty good rushing game against Ohio State, but they only ended up with 115 yards on the ground, and 43 of those came in the one carry from Kanzari in the third quarter when he came in. That's the longest uh, play from the running play from line of scrimmage this year. And Ferentz also talked post-game and again at the Tuesday press conference about the difficulty of rotating in four backs. I want to ask you about why that's necessarily the case and how you might go about doing that. But also, each of those four running backs have significantly different skill sets. Kanzari Saturday was the only one who looked like he could actually be effective running the outside zone. Uh, On the other side of that coin, Greg Davis keeps calling it for Mark Wiseman, but he seems incapable of being effective running the outside zone. Yeah, and, and running backs are unique guys. I mean, you got to understand the mindset of a running back. I mean, they are and they have been the guy on their team. I mean, they're the I mean, they're the bell cow, they're the stud, they're the MVP, they're the I mean, and these guys are special guys, special athletes, toughest guys on the field a lot of times that and backers, you know, cuz they're getting hit on every snap. And, and they want to flow. I mean, they want to be in the flow and the mix. They want the ball in their hand and they want some some routine and and if you're trying to rotate three or four or five guys in and share the ball and share the load, it's difficult to get into that flow sometimes and so running backs want to you know they want to be in there getting it two or three times in a row getting that rhythm like a quarterback would and so it is difficult to rotate that many backs in the positive side of it is though is I mean you can pound and pound and pound and then at 30 40 50 snaps in the defense isn't as fresh I mean they've been chasing they've been doing things and now all of a sudden you come in with somebody that's got a 100% fresh legs because because that's something I haven't seen in Kansas area and you know a long time I mean it's you know we've seen him at times but I mean he looked 
faster than everybody on the field at the time, and I don't think he is necessarily. But I mean, that the, the couple plays that he had, he, sh- he showed a burst, and and hopefully that is the case where his you know his speed and his top end gears is has gotten better from where we've seen the last couple of years. But uh, you know, I mean, or last year. But and then ultimately, as a coach, you try to make a decision. You got to go who's going to help you be the most productive, and and it does change because certain guys you know certain guys don't like running between the tackles as much as they like getting on the edge, and and so your play calling may adjust to that as well. If you're the offensive coach and you're trying to figure out your matchups with the defense and you have one running back that is really only effective pretty much you know on an inside zone and another one who's only effective on the outside the defense is going to key off of who you have in the backfield right you no know, that's why you got play action that's why you got you know misdirection a lot of times i mean it'd be easy to run you know a fake fake zone and then run a counter with the you know if you got a two back set you you can do certain things like that where you, you fake the zone with with wiseman inside and then you got a counter coming back the other way off of it you know those are all things you have to take into consideration because you're right you, if you have an inside zone guy and an outside zone guy that pretty much limits your what you're going to do if, and if defenses are going to see that so you got to be smart about it and you got to try to do those things you got to try to pick your spots too you know i mean maybe you, you try to, to a tendency breaker if it's second and one you try to get wiseman on a stretch on the outside or something like that so you, you feel like well if i don't get it we can still come up and get it in third down or the last four games when you look at the running game it, it, can you pin down what some of the difficulties are is it the line play against better teams is it the backs themselves or the play calls it's just quality opponent i mean that's why you know early on we were talking about iowa time of possession and all these different th- things that you know we had had success on and but a lot of it's just come as we got into the big 10 we've got into better defenses and better quality opponents and then that's those those statistics usually have a tendency to kind of balance themselves out a little bit and, and i think that's the majority of us we're just seeing better defenses and and through through statistics through tendencies now you're seeing defenses that know what we want to do they know that okay we're going to run the ball then we're going to come with our play action the tight ends and so that now they're preparing for that and so now it's just a matter of us evolving and going to plays that look like plays but they're we're getting the ball somewhere else and so it's it's a big chess game what does last saturday's game say to you about iowa's offensive line looks like they play well against weaker opponents and struggle against the better ones uh you know i think i think i think that they've had a pretty good year i think they're doing a pretty good job I mean, it's I, this is no in no not a disrespectful. We don't have the guy like they have in Georgia. We don't have you know the guys they have in Miami or Florida State. I mean, we've got good players. Similar thing on the outside. We've got good players, and I think Iowa, you know, Coach Davis and everybody. I mean, they're trying to bring in playmakers and and guys that have that fifth gear and and some shake to them and and all that stuff. And I think you know we are what we are. We're we're just in no disrespect at all. I mean, we're a square peg team, and we run zone, we run power running game. You know when you got square peg guys it's going to work if you don't have square peg guys it's not going to work as good i'm unique in that my my, my all-time favorite hawk freddie russell you know wasn't the biggest in stature but i mean he was quick and scatty and 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 you know you get him in there behind a guy like sheriff i mean he's hard to find and right now we got some big thick guys back there uh you know even kanzari's a stocky guy and bullock's a stocky guy and a nice change up would be just someone in there just you kind of get lost in there and then come out the other side one of the interesting exchanges at ference's tuesday press conference related to struggles, second half struggles, and adjustments, halftime adjustments. And Kirk basically said he didn't put much stock in halftime adjustments or in-game adjustments. And yet, and we talked about that last week, that whole issue. But Iowa now has 16 second half points total in five Big Ten games, three fourth quarter points in five Big Ten games. So something's going on in the second half that indicates a problem that's not there certainly to the extent in the first half. 
seven of that in the overtime too, or is that? That's I think that's regulation. Okay, yeah, okay. Regulation. Playing good teams, and we've, you know I think we've played some top tier teams in our our side so far, and so I think a lot of that's determined on that. I mean, it's like Wisconsin. Wisconsin didn't really change much. They just kind of kept doing what they do, and they, and they you know they did understand that we were playing the run aggressively, and now they got the tight end down the middle, they got Avendaris down the middle over the top, you know, which is the next progression to to how you're going to attack us, and you got to understand that that's part of what the progression is, and and unfortunately for us, I don't think we ever really got to where we established the run enough to, to be able to, to get to that next progression. They were able to basically you know keep five, six, or six guys in the box, stop the run with those guys effectively, and then keep five guys out underneath our receivers and cause problems in the passing game. So you want things to evolve and move along, and, and then you can go to the next level of your offense. But you know a lot of what we are is designed to, to, to run the ball effectively and, and, then, and then pass off of that. When you have a problem like that, that one game, maybe even two in a row, but now you have sort of a trend. Does that begin to wear on the offensive team? Does your confidence get shaken in second halves? I mean, what? You hope not. I mean, you, you hope not. For me, I guess I don't see it like that. I just see it like we're close. You know, we had three or four possessions in the first half where we take it down and we're inside the red zone. That's just a matter of execution at that point. A couple times we actually converted a fourth down, I think, and got another three set of downs only to go three and out and settle for the field goal. And, you know, those are, you know, those are things you want to try to clean up and be more effective in the red zone. And, and and, and get those sevens versus threes. I mean, especially in a, in a game like with Wisconsin where it's going to take more than six points or nine points probably to beat a team like that. The better news coming out of Saturday, even though they lost in the fourth quarter, was not something to write home necessarily about. But was Iowa's defense overall, the they, uh, time of possession was basically equal until the fourth quarter. And in that last period, the Badgers controlled the ball for 10 minutes. But um, overall, Iowa shut down Wisconsin's star running back, Melvin Gordon, James White, came on strong and hurt them, and that is just a terrific two-running back tandem. And Iowa was very successful in stopping the jet sweep. Wisconsin, which is, that's their bread and butter play, got almost nothing off that jet sweep on Saturday, but it was fun to watch them run that jet sweep and see how they turn around, sometimes fake to white in the middle, sometimes not, let the sweep play itself out. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought defensively, it's tough to defend. I mean, one, it stretches you, and it forces you to bring the end up the field, or now you got to bring your support backer up the field and cover uh, and, and get that edge set on that on that play, and and I thought we did a nice job between our defensive ends and our and our outside linebackers of setting the edge on that, keeping the thing up inside where the defense could rally to it. But it does force you now. So now you understand if you're bringing the end outfield and he's got the contain, now you're going to have a void if they get a good double team on the backside where you're going to have a little cutback crease in there because the end's worried about the upfield stuff. So it's difficult to defend, especially when you got the athletes that, that can do it and, and can stress you. And so I thought I, I thought defensively. It was a great, a solid, great performance for, for the Hawks. And they kept us in the game for the most part all the way to the end. And, you know, that's all you can ask, really, in a Big Ten event like that. It looked like Iowa was, uh, spines, probably not the right term for this, but they were moving a safety out every time in the direction that sweep play would start. And then for the most part, Iowa's linebackers, again, stuffed the middle, except for a couple of plays. Both uh, James Morris and, and Kirksey played terrific games again with double-digit tackles. And uh, John Loudermouth at, at safety had double-digit yeah, tackles, too. he was so. very, very big in the in the run game. Let's talk about the safeties for just a minute in the passing game. Uh, Saturday, watching the video, it looked like they got caught out of position several times again, which has happened, I know that's happened to Tanner Miller on multiple occasions this year where it, 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 the opponent gets a big pass play completion as a result of it. It happened on that touchdown play to the tight end. It looked like he turned the wrong way or something. And it looked like Loudermilk, who's pretty young still, got turned around a couple of times. It 
looked like he wasn't sure where he was supposed to go. Or uh, Just talk about the safety play in general. Well, at this it, point in the it, 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 it's a tough deal, and, and we get our safeties involved in the running game. I mean, they're down, and as you mentioned, when they're, when they're running that jet motion, lot, there's a lot of rotation with guys, okay? A lot of times we're rotating because that means we got the edge guy coming, so now we got to have someone replace and take the flat. And so you combination that with a little play-action pass, you got massive movement on the secondary element, and then now you got a big tight end going down there. And, and a couple to even, you know, both those plays, both the touchdown catches, I mean, we were close. You know, we were we had guys over the top, but, you know, the play-action a lot of times holds the backers. Obviously, they come up and they play run for the first two, two yards, and then they're going to drop back. Well, that creates, you know, four or five yards of space that the quarterback can throw the ball over in front of the safeties in the back end. And, and, and so, you know, that's what that's what all that stuff's for, man. It's designed to get you movement, get you off your mark. And if you get off your mark two or three yards, that's enough for, you know, those receivers because we run a lot of cover too. And so ultimately, you're, you're, you're vulnerable on the outside deep, and then you're vulnerable in the middle. And if you look where those two touchdowns basically were, they were over the middle. Yeah, they did pretty much hold Jared Everdaris in check. He got yeah. only 30 yards receiving and uh, three catches. He did get the one TD. After this break, Marv looks ahead to the road game against the Purdue Boilermakers. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings, moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the News and Events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. And you can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times. Next, Marv Cook previews the game at Purdue, a must-win for the Hawkeyes. The best antidote for an ailing Iowa offense has to be playing Purdue, at least uh, in 2013. Iowa travels to West Lafayette. They have a chance to become bowl eligible. It's first-year coach over there, Daryl Hazel, who was very successful at Kent State. And Purdue has a six-game losing streak on, on top of all of that. There are four common opponents between the two teams, Northern Illinois, uh, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Wisconsin, both teams lost to all four. People talk about, well, Iowa's losses are all the teams that have overwhelmingly winning records. The same is true of Purdue. In fact, Iowa will be the first team that Purdue will face, FBS team, that is not either ranked in the top 25 or receiving votes all year long. But having said all of that, Purdue is really struggling the last three or four games, really struggling in the Big Ten. I mean, the stats are so out of whack, it's almost uh, hard to believe. We're sitting around our, our coach office before the game last night and one of our coaches said that and I, I don't 
don't know if it's true or not, that said Purdue's offense has not been in the red zone since September, which, you know, oh my god, That gosh, is true. That's incredible. I, I, I go back. I mean, Purdue made a bowl game last year, and they fired their coach. I mean, this, this was a good coach. And they fire him, and they bring in a guy from the MAC, and, you know, they pay him 60% more than they paid the guy that they just fired to take the team to the bowl game. And in my opinion, you know, if you're going to get rid of a coach, you better have a, you better know who you want and better have him ready to go and, and make sure that they're going to take your program to the next level. That's what every – anytime anybody going to hire a new coach, they always thought, well, we're going to take our program to the next level. And it's just – it's tough. And obviously, I mean, they're playing – they're not playing very well right now. You know, they gave Notre Dame a good match early. I remember it was they had Notre Dame down early at, at home. And, and, and there's talent there. It's just a matter of getting it on the same page, getting everybody to believe together. And, and that's the one thing that I was going to have to be really, really leery of is understand that you, you take these players and you guys go do individual drills and you go practice next to them, they're good football players. I mean, they get it. It's just a matter of them playing as 11 and playing a cohesive unit. And I think that's what's missing for them right now. And we want to make sure that the buy-in doesn't come Saturday against the Hawks. So we got to make sure we're focused. We go in and we play Iowa football and, and, and finish out the, this game and, and not take anything for granted. I'm, I'm, you know, that's the great thing about what we are is, is what the program does is they're locked in that way. Well, they haven't scored in the last eight quarters. They've been outscored in their four Big Ten games, 155 to 17. They were shut out for in consecutive games for the first time in 60 years, and they were only able to get 116 yards total offense against Ohio State. That's the lowest all season. That's not a recipe for winning a lot of games. Yeah, and it, it doesn't. It, that you talk about that's frustrating, and that's that's hard to overcome because now you are waiting for the first bad thing to happen because you know then it, it's going to snowball a little bit. And so they're not in a good state right now, obviously. And, and um, you know, it's a great chance for the Hawks to go down and, and continue to get young guys more experience, continue to get better, learn how to win big, uh, do all those things. And, you know, you, know, you never want to take any game for granted. And, and a win over Purdue, we need to understand it's a win. It's a, it's a Big Ten win. And those you can never take winning for granted. And you have to cherish that opportunity and go get this victory like it's it's Ohio State or Michigan or whoever else. Because it's when it's all said and done, the, 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 you know, the Big Ten record shows the Big Ten record. It doesn't show exactly who you beat and all that stuff. It says, you know, you're either 5-3 and three or 4-4 four and four or whatever the record is. It's, so you got to go get the win when you can. Well, not only do you have a new coach, new coaching staff, trying to implement new schemes on both sides of the ball. Purdue is a very young team. Starting quarterback, Atlanta is a true freshman. Two of their three top rushers are freshmen. Four of their top seven receivers are freshmen, including their leading receiver. All of that is also makes things very difficult to, to get it clicking. But Etling, we talked about Purdue has not been in the red zone since September 28th against Northern Illinois. Etling started four games. He's not taken a snap in the red zone in the last three. And uh, the starting quarterback at the beginning of the season, Rob Henry, who played against Iowa last year, is now a backup safety. So those are a lot of uh, things that make some of their offensive struggles understandable. You can have two or three freshmen help you out. But when you start mixing in that many freshmen, I mean, it's almost it's it's almost impossible. I mean, as, as much as you'd like to say and these kids nowadays are so much more advanced than 20 you know 15 20 years ago these kids now are physically ready but still it's it's a different there's just no way that they can get up to pace this quickly and be effective in the big 10 i mean coming straight out of high school now one or two or three guys maybe but when you're looking at five six seven eight guys in the mix trying to compete in the big 10 it's just going to be brutal and the great thing is that the coach can keep them and and if they keep working hard and keep getting after it i mean they're going to be two years down the road they're going to be a formidable group of kids if if they have the right mindset and they don't We'd play certain teams, and you'd always, oh my gosh, this guy's a four-year letter winner, you know, three-year letter winner, and, and so someone would always say, well, they got a lot of experience getting beat, uh, and if they can get the, some traction and, and turn the corner and start getting some of these victories, they're going to be a formidable team to deal with. But uh, transition's tough. It takes to ask Coach Ferentz when he first came.
Famer, that one in ten season. It's it's a tough, tough time to try to, to try to change a culture, and, and uh, obviously that's what they're trying to do at Purdue. Their defensive uh, unit's struggling too. They're allowing over 291 yards rushing, uh, average rushing in in their four Big Ten games. Their leading tacklers. I thought this was interesting when I was looking at the, their game notes. Their leading tacklers are their two starting safeties and their starting cornerback. The fourth leading tackler is the Will linebacker. So what does that say about your defense when your leading tacklers by far are your defensive secondary? It's not good. It's it's a recipe for disaster because one, they're not physically big enough to take that kind of punishment that's designed for the guys up front. And then two, that means they're involved in the running game. That means a lot of runs are getting to the second level. And then ultimately now you're setting yourself up for some some, some devastating play action, you know, where, where they're getting into the run mix and now all of a sudden you're going to go over the top of play action. So it's, uh, you never want to see that be the case. Unless your safety is named Bob Sanders or something like that, then you might say, okay, I'm okay with that. If I'm Purdue, the staff and the team, I have to be looking at this Iowa game as maybe the best chance for us to win a big team, Big Ten game this season. I mean, Purdue has to be going into this game thinking, well, thank God, at least it's not Michigan State and Ohio State and Wisconsin. On the other hand, it's hard to figure out any justifiable excuse how Iowa would lose this game or why they should lose this game. So at least that's my two cents worth. But having said that, what are your keys to the game and your prediction here? Well, the, the keys are, is for me, is one, we, we need to run the ball effectively. I mean, we need to make sure that our running game is working. We're, we're moving the chains with that running game and then being able to set up and do the other things we want to do off, the, off of that. Defensively, we just got to play football and just play Iowa football. And defensively, if we do what we've been doing, we'll be fine. The, the biggest, it's unique in that you, we, Iowa gave Ohio State a great game. Iowa gave Wisconsin a pretty good game. You know, Iowa gave, we beat Minnesota. Minnesota looks like they're in the top of the deal now. You know, I mean, it's everybody's kind of in this mix and pretty pretty equal. You know, I mean, Nebraska right now looks equal. Northwestern beats Nebraska, or Nebraska beats Northwestern on a Hail Mary. Michigan looks beatable. You know, Michigan State thumped them. There's seven or eight teams that all, in any given Saturday, could beat each other. And so I think Iowa needs to understand that. But I think Purdue's going to look at it and say, these guys are pretty tough. I mean, no one's really run the ball effectively against them for the most part with any consistency. People have had a remotely tough time passing the ball, with the exception of probably Michigan State and uh, Ohio State. But so, I mean, it's a tough team. I mean, we're, this is a good group of kids and they play hard. I, I think for the most part, they do have that mentality that, you know, when you add all 11 up, we're worth more than 11. I mean, it adds up and because they're all playing for each other a little bit. And so we're a formidable deal and we just got to worry that Purdue doesn't figure that out. I mean, I think we don't want them to start getting traction and confidence. And, and that's the that's the worst thing we can do is go down there and, and, and hang around, hang around, hang around and let them stay in it. And next thing you know, it takes one play because there's, they're, trust me, they're, they're talented football players. And so we just can't, you know, let them hang around and, and think that they've got a chance to win the game late in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter. Just to that point, remember last year, Purdue beat Iowa at Kinnick Stadium on the last play of the game with a field goal. So your score? You know, I, I just think, I, I think this is a pretty good football team. I think Iowa's a pretty good football team. And uh, I don't think, I know it. And, and you know, we're going to get after it. And our kids will play tough and physical. And, and we're in a better place than Purdue is right now, obviously. And I just think that we'll have our, our running game be effective. It's going to be interesting. We're playing on, I think it's natural grass. It's just kind of the, you know, the exception anymore. Iowa State's got a really nice turf. It's almost like a like a Florida type turf setting. So this will be our first time on a true natural grass type of setting, I think, in a while. But that should play to our advantage. It's a little cold and sloppy, and throw a little mud in there. Let's get after it. Let our big guys go to work. Uh, I, I think Iowa's you know going to be effective in everything they want to do, running the ball and then passing the ball, and, and and Jake will be back to being effective. Hopefully his knees not going to be slowing him up or hampering him up. Hopefully it'd be a good chance for a lot of guys to play a lot of football for Iowa. I see this as a game we're going to get out and going. I think it's, you know I see us scoring a lot of points offensively, uh, getting a lot. 
lot of people involved, you know, in the passing game and the running game. So, I mean, I'm going to say like 37 to 10. I think defensively we'll still continue to be stout and cause them some problems. <laughs> my kind of team, Charlie, is my kind of team. Big Rudolph, the quarterback for the Hawkeyes, threw it up for grabs, and it's intercepted by Darius Hillary. Rudolph felt a little bit of pressure in his own end zone and made a poor decision. And Hillary, the sophomore from Cincinnati, has his first interception of the year. Hillary is playing actually a nickel, but he's outside. When he starts drifting back, you throw that ball away because they manned up Cox underneath with Southward, and that's just a poor read by Rudolph. Throw that one away or throw it in the dirt. Hawkeye's Mike football shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll-free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Our thanks again to ABC for the game highlights this week, and as always, special thanks to Marv Cook. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you'll participate by phoning and making your own voice heard in our shows. You can call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.